The title is, Do You See What I See? Do you see what I see? I want everybody here to say change. 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 See, change has to come through each and every one of us in order to accelerate the vision and bring an increase the way God wants to within our ministry. Are you with me? I know you're tired. I'm tired as well. It was a long drive back from L.A. But you know, it was a good tired. I couldn't. When we got back, I could hardly move. I was like, ugh. Everything was aching. But you know what? My spirit was jumping inside. My body was wasted, but my spirit was renewed. And I know that God has a great plan for our ministry in the heart of the bay. So I say change, but what do we have to change specifically? We have to change our mindset. Everybody say mindset. It's easy for you and I to sit around and say what we need to do. It's easy to talk about what we need to do. It's easy to know what we need to do. But we need to be able to act on that knowing. Are you with me? To know what we need to change in our lives to be able to accelerate the vision of Victory Outreach. And that's why we're here. That's why God called us into such a great global ministry, an end time ministry. Because I believe with all my heart, if the Lord tarries, we'll make another 50 years. But if the Lord tarries, that's the key. Because I believe we are the end time movement that God is going to use, not only here in the United States, but globally. Can I get an amen? See, it's a different matter to do the change we need to do. It's a different matter altogether. See, when you talk about the Israelites, when they sent the spies to spy out the land, the promised land, who did they send? They sent the leaders of Israel. Why do you think Moses picked the leaders of each tribe? Because leaders have influence. And I want you to understand something about leading. Everyone here is a leader in some way. You, you have influence in someone's life, someone around you. So you have to be accountable for that influence that God has given you. See, our influence is going to flow out of what we really think, we really feel, and also are willing to do. It's going to flow from that. What are you doing? What are we doing? What am I doing? See, when I was down there, God was dealing with me, like he dealt with many of us, on things that I need to change within my life to be the influencer that God called me to be. Amen? And that's what the conference was all about, preparing us to accelerate this vision for another 50 years, should the Lord tarry. And that is the key. Are you with me? See, all the guys who went to spy out the land were leaders of Israel. Everything. See, Maxwell says everything rises and falls on leadership. And that leadership is influence. See, our influence is going to flow out of what we really think. So what influences our influence? And that's what I want to touch on today. Because we talk about influence. Well, what influences that influence that we have? Are you with me? Okay, number one. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. How we see what we see. How we see what we see. In Numbers 13, verse 28, and I'll be reading mostly out of the New King James, it says, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak, or giants, that were there. See, nevertheless, this is our conclusion, just as it was their conclusion. Because we see certain things, but then we got to have the 
Nevertheless, what influences what we see? Are you with me? See, that's our conclusion. This is what I think. This is my option. This is always the language of unbelief. See, when God says something, he'll say something. And when God says something, he does not lie. Are we in agreement? If God told you to do something, he knows what he's doing. He called you to do it. But then we come up with a nevertheless. God called me into the kids gang, but nevertheless. It's too hard. I'm not equipped. We had a nevertheless. That's the language of unbelief. That's your opinion, not God's opinion. Because when God calls you, he gives you his opinion. But nevertheless, see, this is always the language of unbelief. We saw, we are not able, we are not as strong as them. See, this was the conclusion of the natural man who saw by sight instead of faith. And when the ten spies came back with a bad report, they were looking in the natural. They gave a, a bad report. Are you guys with me today? They said the people are strong. Today we would say this, how do we reach so many with so few of us? That's what we would say. Well, there's a multitude of sinners. How can we possibly reach each and every one of them? One at a time. One at a time. See, today we would say, they said the cities are fortified and very large, but we would say this. How do we reach the city? How can we start? The people are strong. Today we would say, what's the use? People are caught up in their own lives. They don't need Jesus. They got a Mercedes Benz. They got a nice job. We make excuses for rich people. Well, I couldn't possibly witness to this guy. He's got it all together. No, he don't. He needs Jesus, just like we need Jesus. Giants live there. Today we would say, we're so busy. My job, I ain't got time to serve God. I don't have time to hit the streets. I don't have time to do ministry. It costs too much money. That's what we would say. See, many of us think that the vision of a Victory Outreach International is a good thing. How many think it's a good thing? It is a good thing. What could possibly be bad about that? Reaching the world for Christ. But then we also think, nevertheless, I could never do ministry. Nevertheless, I could never teach the kids. Nevertheless, I couldn't hit the streets. I'm shy. Nevertheless, I could never go to the mission field. See, we always put a nevertheless. I couldn't do it. I can't make it happen. We come up with an excuse. See, the language of faith is always optimistic. It always thinks positive. Are you guys with me? See, Joshua and Caleb agreed with what the other ten saw. They agreed with it. It was, it was there. They agreed. But they disagreed with their conclusion. See, their conclusion is we could not take the land. They're going to kill us. We're like grasshoppers. That was their conclusion. But Joshua and Caleb didn't come to that conclusion. Their conclusion was, yeah, surely we could take this land. No big deal. Because God said they saw the same thing with a different set of eyes. How do you see what you see? They had faith eyes. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you see what I see? Do you see what I see? 
I know, you wanted me to say that. Numbers 14, 7 through 9, we're going to read that very quickly. Are you guys with me today? And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, if He delights in us, if He delights in us, then He will bring us into that land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel, do not rebel, do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land. For they are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. What does the Lord delight in? Faith. Faith. It's basically trusting and believing in God. When He says something, we believe it. See, the Lord will bring us into the land and give it to us. The giants are bread. We're going to eat them up. And spit them out. Because they taste bad. Amen. They are defenseless. The Lord is with us. Do not fear. When God gives you a promise or gives you direction, don't be afraid to step out. Step out in faith. It doesn't matter if you're equipped. He will equip you if you step out. Don't let the devil lie to you and say you're a grasshopper. You're not a grasshopper. God created you fearfully and wonderfully made. He has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. You just got to believe it and step out. That's what God loves. He loves it when people step out. Because when he, when he picks people like us, you and I, limited education, sure we took vet, we went to Bible school, stuff like that. But we came from crazy backgrounds. And when we do something for God, he shows up. Why? Because he gets the glory. So don't worry about what you have. You don't need to have anything. All you need to do is step out and be that empty vessel, and God will take care of the rest. See, we say this. The people are strong, but if God is pleased with us, we will move on these people. When we meet them, we will walk over them. We will take this land. They have nothing to stop us. We are on the move. Cities are fortified, but If we let go of our fear, God will give us this city. If we step out in faith and do what God called us to do, we are going to take Hayward, we're going to take the Bay Area, we're going to take the states, we're going to take the globe for Jesus Christ. Don't limit what God can do in and through your life. See why I don't use a mic? So I can do this. I like to move a little bit. Amen? The giants live there, but if we don't rebel and we obey God, we are going to eat them up. There's no devil in hell that can stop you. When you step out in faith, you believe and you obey, God is with you. Victory Outreach. See, everything tells me I can't do it. But if I trust God, if I trust God, If I trust God, nothing is impossible for me. Nothing is impossible for you. You just got to trust God. Everyone tells me I can't do it, but I have a vision and nothing's going to stop me. I remember when I was called to the Philippines. We seen that, they had a video and they showed an old video of the old tent when they started United We Can. 
In 2000 through, no, 1999, or 1993, that's when, ooh, I'm old. Excuse me, I'm trying to get young. 1993, that's when I was called to the Philippines. But nobody believed me. I was only out of the home a few months. I said, you know what, Pastor God called me to the Philippines. He told me, well, pray about it. That I would keep bugging him every service. But God called me, but God called me. But pretty soon he started saying, okay, Daryl's going by faith. And I kept saying, I'm going, I'm going. I went out, and I did what I had to do. I got a job, earned my ticket, got my passport, and we got on the plane. I went on the plane. I went to the field. I was supposed to go for six months. Eighteen years later, I came back. Amen. But you never know. If you step out in faith, God is going to use your life. I don't care what people say. You've got to fight for your calling. If God called you to do something, don't take no for an answer. You say, devil, get out of my way. And you keep praying, you keep fasting, you keep believing, and you're going to step out into your promise. Are you with me? Nothing will stop you. See, this story is proof that we can lose out on the vision of God's promises through fear and through rebellion. You can lose the promise of God in your life. If you continue to walk in fear and you continue to rebel against God. Are you with me? We've got to be obedient to God and walk by faith, not by sight. Amen? In Deuteronomy chapter 1, 20 through 38, you don't have to turn there. It talks about how they messed up by not believing in God. And they could have stepped into the promised land, but they walked in unbelief. They began to grumble. They began to murmur and complain and do all these different things. In other words, they had a negative mindset. And because they did, not only did they die in the desert, all of them, they all died. Thank God, God had mercy on their children. Because the children were innocent. They didn't rebel. So they were the ones that went into the promised land. But if they had obeyed God in the first place, that whole generation would have been blessed. The entire generation. Instead of an entire generation dying, their bravery and faith would have been honored by God. They would have had no regrets. No would have, could have, and should have. But now they had disgrace and defeat and everything. That's why they wandered around the desert because of their unbelief. See, rebellion would have never happened. They would have had the best food, the best clothing, and living conditions for 40 years and 40 years sooner. They wouldn't have died. But how many will die in the wilderness of sin because we do not follow our vision? Because we're walking in rebellion. We're making excuses. We're talking negative. Everything we see, we, we, we want to critique. Instead of having an optimistic spirit, a positive outlook in faith. Are you guys with me today? So, V.O. Hart, what are we going to do about it? Do you see what I see? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to make the adjustments within your life to see this vision come to pass? Our pastors are working diligently hard every single day. It's time for you and I to step up to the plate. Yes. Amen? Yes. How we see what we see. Number two, how we speak what we see. How we speak what we see. Numbers 13, verse 32. Verse 32. 
And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. See, they gave a bad report. They slandered God. Let me explain that. Slander from the Encarta Dictionary says this, the act of saying something false or malicious that damages somebody's reputation. Their evil report insulted God's character and his reputation. You know, God has a reputation. Your testimony means everything. See, when you're not walking in proper testimony, you're slandering God. You're bringing down his reputation. God does not honor that. That's rebellion against God. That's just like saying, God, I'm going to upside the head. That's what it means to God. So don't give evil reports. If you have something negative to say, swallow it. Take it to God. If you got something negative to talk about a leader, swallow it. Give it to God. Don't be spreading poison around the ministry. Don't be spreading poison around the church just because you got something negative to say. Bring a good report that honors God, that builds God up, builds his people up. That's what you want to say. Numbers 14, 31 through 36 in the Living Bible says this. You said your children would become slaves of the people of the land. Well, instead, I will bring them safely into the land, and they shall inherit what you have despised. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in the wilderness. You must wander in the desert like nomads for 40 years. In this way, you will pay for your faithlessness until the last of, your lies, last of you lies dead in the desert. Since the spies were in the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, bearing the burdens of your sin. I will teach you what it means to reject me. I, Jehovah, have spoken. Every one of you has conspired against me and shall die here in the wilderness. Then the ten spies who had incited the rebellion against Jehovah by striking fear into the hearts of the people were struck dead before the Lord. It's dangerous to talk negative about God's people, God's leadership, if there's really an issue, then you'd bring it to the pastor. Are you with me? Don't be spreading poison. God does not honor poison. They all got, they died. I don't want to die in my sin. Hello. Amen? It's pretty hard, huh? You thought I was going to cheer you up. Yeah, yeah. I'll work on that later, but right now I'm telling the truth. If I don't tell the truth here, I'm accountable for it. You're accountable for what you do with the truth. Amen? Only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. If we refuse to trust God, if we refuse to believe God, if we don't pursue God's call, there is no safe place out of God's promise for us. See, we've seen powerful men and women of God become casualties by not pursuing God's promises. It's important we pursue the promise of God. See, when you came into Victory Outreach, you're under our covering. Mike called it a cloud. It's the same thing, a covering. 
It's the covering of victory outreach. Our promises are your promises. You have to step out and walk in them. Pursue them. And you're going to attain them if you do those things. Are you with me? How do you speak about your ministry? How do you speak to other people about the ministry? See, sometimes we're the worst critics to outsiders of the church. That's why they don't come to church. We complain about everything and then try to invite them. They're not going to come to church. If it's just like the world, why would they come? I'm being, can I be truthful? We're our own worst nightmare sometimes. Because we want to win our family to Christ, but we go home and talk negative about the church. We go home and talk negative about the leadership. We talk negative about this and negative about, oh, they want that. You know. And we do that, and then we say, can you come to church with me? Why? I don't want to go there. I can go to the bar where everybody's happy. Till closing time, amen. Don't act like you ain't been there. See, our result is based on our response. Our result is based on our re- How do we respond? How do we talk? You, bring, you talk life or death. The power is in the tongue. How do you respond? Whatever we fear the most is going to overcome us in a bigger way, and there's going to be no escaping it. Job 3.25 says this, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. Remember, Job was a godly man. He didn't do anything wrong. He, 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 he fasted, he prayed, he had a relationship with God, he, he would sacrifice for himself, he would sacrifice for his children just in case they sinned. And Satan went to God and tested Job. And that was his biggest fear, that he would lose everything. And that's exactly what happened to him. He lost everything. He lost his, his animal, his cattle, his, his herds, his house, his barn, his, his children, but he... The nagging wife stayed, amen. (laughs) He wasn't afraid to lose her, amen. Anyway, we must never say the wrong thing concerning God's promise. That's what I'm trying to say here. God's promise is yes and amen. Yes and amen. Amen means to agree. Our words direct us. Our words lead us. Our words shape us. Words frame the structure of our future. It's very important that we learn to speak the right words. Our words either honor God or they slander God. There's no in between. What are your words doing? Are they honoring God? I got to admit, I'm not perfect in that. That was one of the areas that God was dealing with me, especially driving my car. You know how they drive in L.A., right? You think they're crazy here. They're crazier there. Man. These guys would drive like this and go on the side, and so I'd start following them. Because I used to drive like that in the Philippines. Amen. Especially coming back on I-5, man. There's two slow pokes. <clears throat> they were going like 55 miles an hour. What were they, in the 70s? 55 miles an hour, and they're blocking everybody. So this BMW raced on the shoulder, and I said, ooh, good. I was right behind them. Then everybody started following. <laughs> hey, I'm not perfect, amen. I'm just forgiven, hey, hallelujah. <laughs> but see, we have to make sure that our words line up with the character of God. That's what I'm trying to say. They've got to line up with the character of God. 
we don't want to insult him. Amen? See, if we insult him, we will not receive. We will not receive. It's very important. That's why the spies died, because they insulted God. That's why everybody died. What we say to others and in front of others concerning our vision is very important. It determines not only what happens in our personal lives, but what are we speaking in our children's lives? What are we speaking in our friends' lives? What are we speaking in our neighbors' lives? What are we speaking in our co-workers' lives? What are we speaking in our bosses' lives? What are you speaking? It's very important. Look at Numbers 14, 1 through 4. I'm going to leave the, read the Living Bible again. Because sometimes it just breaks it down heavy. Then all the people began weeping aloud, and they carried on all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of complaint against Moses and Aaron. We wish we had died in Egypt, they wailed, or even here in the wilderness, rather than be taken into this country ahead of us. Jehovah will kill us there, and our wives and our little ones will become slaves. Let's get out of here and return to Egypt. The idea swept the camp. Let's elect a leader to take us back to Egypt, they shouted. See, the effect of these leaders' words insulted God. They insulted God with these words. They were faithless and they were selfish. We have to make sure that our words are full of faith and not full of self. Are you with me? See, God has created us to minister to people. It doesn't matter if you have a title. You don't have a title. As soon as you get saved, you're a minister. You're a minister of the gospel. That means minister means to serve. That's all it means. We're servants. So all of us are called to be servants of God, the Most High God. We are all called to minister to people. Are you with me? Don't let your ministry be full of self. Don't let your ministry be faithless. See, their words influenced an entire generation to lose out on the very thing that they had longed for and they dreamed of. And even the thing that they were promised by God. How are your words influencing those around you? Man, it's quiet in here. You can hear a pin drop. Anybody got a pin? I want to hear it drop. Number one, how we see what we see. Number two, how we speak what we see. And lastly, how we see ourselves in what we see. I'm not going to go long. Numbers 13, verse 33. There we saw the giants... And we were like grasshoppers in their own sight. And so we were in their sight. They were grasshoppers in their own sight and also in their sight. See, how we see ourselves pursuing and accomplishing what needs to be done determines where we end up. What do you see? How do you see yourself in this vision? Do you see yourself as accomplishing great things? You know, I remember when I was sitting in the home in 1992. I, I, I was afraid to leave Oakland because that's where my connections were. I never even got out of the Bay Area unless I had to. And then when I was in the home, they were preaching and saying, you know what? 
We're going to go all over the, we're going to get in planes, we're going to go all over the world. And all of a sudden, something began to rise up in my spirit. I don't have to be stuck here. I don't have to see myself like that. I don't want to see myself as a dopey. I don't want to see myself negatively anymore. I want to see myself doing great things for God. I want to hang around people that are doing stuff for God. I don't want to hang around negative people anymore. I want to begin to hang, hang around positive people. I don't want to hang around people that have no vision. I want to hang around people that are visionary. I want to be able to see what they see. I want to see what God sees. I don't want to see what I used to see. I don't need that anymore in my life. I need to press on. I need to move forward. I need to change things within my life. And I began to hang around the right kind of guys in the home. And all the other ones ended up drifting out and filtering out. See, you are who you hang around with. You choose who disciples you. So you have to make a choice of what you want to do. See, their statement about themselves was an exaggeration in a negative way. See, what it was, it was an excuse for their fear. They were afraid. It was an excuse for their unbelief. They didn't trust God. It was an excuse for their laziness. They didn't want to go to battle. Are you with me? See, we can always come up with a reason why we can't fight. We can always come up with a reason why we can't hit the streets. We can always come up with a reason why we can't go to church. We can come up with a reason why we can't get in a life group. We can always come up with a reason why we can't do something for God. But that's just an excuse. It's an exaggeration. It's how you see yourself. That's the important thing. How do you see yourself? You want to know how God sees you? Oh, God sees you a, a great and mighty warrior. God sees you accomplishing great things for God. When God looks at you, he don't look at you. He looks at Christ in you, that you can do all things. You have the same anointing. You have the same power. There's nothing impossible for you. That's how God sees you. When you begin to open your inner eyes, and you begin to look at the way God sees you, and you begin to see yourself that way, nothing is impossible for you. You've got to step out in faith and see that. How do you see yourself in f f fulfilling God's promises here at Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay? I'm telling you, this is a thriving ministry here. God, God's eye is on this church. It's been on this church since 1981. It's still, it hasn't left. This is a sending church. We've sent people all over the world. You see the fruit at the conference. People that came out of this ministry. It's not done. God wants to raise you up, to send you out, to do great things for him. But how do you see yourself? See yourself fulfilling the purpose and the plan that God has given your life. How do you see yourself in fulfilling the vision of Victory Outreach International? Man, I used to be so timid. I remember the first time I met Pastor Sonny, I was in the home. And Pastor Steve introduced me to him, and I went, I didn't know what to say. Couldn't say nothing. But since that time and being a missionary and going out, I've had opportunity to, to learn from him and glean from him and sit with him and talk with him. And I, you know what I found out? He's just like us. Only smarter. <laughs> Amen? Because he's been focused for his, on his vision for so many years. But you, you, know, when you get around people like that. And you learn, you grow. Don't be intimidated. I used to be intimidated by people. 
I was afraid to preach the gospel. I was afraid to speak in public. But you know what? When God put his hand on my life, everything changed. I couldn't sit back and not do what God called me to do. I had to see myself the way God sees me. So do you. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. So what are you going to do about it? When are you going to step up to the plate? You know, if you step up to the plate with a lot of stuff on your mind and on your heart, it's going to determine how you swing. You're going to miss the ball. See, when you're up at bat, you've got to focus on that ball. You've got to see how it's coming, where it's coming, the speed it's coming, and you've got to be able to keep your eye on it. If you don't keep your eye on the ball, you're going to miss. It's the same with the vision. If you do not keep your eye on the pace of the vision, you're going to miss out. If you don't keep your eye on what God is doing right now, God is accelerating the vision. And he wants to use you to do it. But you've got to see yourself in that place. We've got to start getting rid of these phrases. I can't. Take it out of your vocabulary. I couldn't do that. Take that out of your... I couldn't do anything. Take it out of your vocabulary. You're better than me. No, nobody's better than you. You're special. There's only one of you. I've never done that before. Good, do it. Take that phrase out of your mouth. I'm really too busy to help right now. Take that phrase out of your mouth. I put my time and money in already. Take that out of your mouth. God's doing a new thing. And he wants you to, excuse me, to accomplish it. And this one I hate the most. It's your turn. No, no, it's your turn. You take it. You run with it. The mantle's being passed to all of us, not just certain people. See, these statements are just lame attempts to disobey God. That's all it is. It's a lame attempt. Their mistakes are mentioned here. Look at what God says about them in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 3. In verse 12 it says this. Beware, brethren, lest there are any of you, or in any of you, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He says an evil heart of unbelief. Did you know in God's eyes, an unbelieving heart is evil? That's what he's saying. Evil heart of unbelief. You know, the problem with you and I and, and people in general, we try to say... Sin is, this sin's bad, and this one's okay, and this one, eh, you know. We try to, we try to justify the sin. Well, he's a murderer. He's worse than me. I'm only a drug addict and robber. <laughs> I never killed nobody. Yeah, you're still a sinner. I only stole a candy bar. Well, you're still a sinner. See, there's, 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 sin is sin. It's really missing the mark in the Greek. That's what it says. So an evil heart... An unbelieving heart will throw you off course. That's sin. An unbelieving heart is sin. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. An unbelieving heart throws us off course. It really it diverts us from following God passionately because we have unbelief. We may say the right things and come to church and, and give our money and all these different things. We could even do ministry. But we don't believe God. It's an evil heart. Evil heart. Unbelieving heart. And it diverts us. 
See, the root of their evil was a lack of confidence in God. And this is what is meant here by a heart of unbelief. Lacking confidence. How could we not be confident in our Creator? I mean, if you think about it, a lot of us here, most of us here, have come through drug addiction and prison and crazy stuff. Stuff that they thought, well, you could never change. But we're all miracles here. Because God is able. So how can we possibly lock, lack confidence in God? But we do. We do. By our heart of unbelief. When we don't do what God called us to do. See, Hebrews 3.13 says this. But exhort one another daily when it's called today. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. See, a hard, hardened by the deceitfulness of sin or the glamour of sin. Because sin looks good. Let's be real. It looked good. But it doesn't end well. But a heart hardened by the deceitfulness of sin or the glamour of sin slows down our reflexes to obey God. See, when you have secret sin in your life, your reflexes aren't what they used to be. See, you remember when you first got saved and you were cleansed and you felt like a brand new baby boy or a baby girl? And man, somebody said, let's go tell somebody about Jesus. Yeah! You were there. You didn't even think about it. You just, woo, let's go. But all of a sudden, man, being saved for a while and stuff starts to come in. You get the pride, you got this, you got that unforgiveness and you got all this little stuff in here and sometimes man that when something comes up and God wants to move our reflexes are a little slow I, I don't want to get exposed I'm afraid to do that I got fear now because I have sin in my life see when you're right with God you don't care I remember going to the Philippines we're there and I don't have an interpreter I'm by myself walking around looking for dope fiends you know and I found this lady that spoke English. I said, excuse me, ma'am. Could you tell me where all the drug addicts are? <laughs> she goes, by the railroad tracks. But you don't want to go there. I go, that's why I came. I came to go in there. Thank you. And I went in there. I wasn't afraid. And they were looking at me like they wanted. Of course, I didn't bring nothing. I didn't have nothing to bring. But anyway, I was out there. And I remember talking to these guys that were crazy looking. They had knives. They were all this crazy doing shabu, they're all paranoid like that. And I go there with the plan. I find somebody that speaks. And I say, say what I say. Even though they're dope, dope fiends and they're, they're, you know, they're not saved. I don't care. I need a mouthpiece until I can get one of them saved. But I didn't have fear because I was right with God. See, when you're right with God, you don't have sin in your life. You're not afraid. Your reflexes are good. Ooh, ooh. You're, like, you're like, you know, come on. You still got it. You're not swinging slow anymore. Amen. You guys with me? See, today is used to emphasize it is in the present when God's voice is heard. Right now. God's speaking now. He's speaking to you right now. He's talking to you. How are you going to respond? How are your reflexes? How are you going to respond? See, make the best of the time while you have it. Listen to and obey God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're almost done. I said that before. I'm close to closing. What does that mean? Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 10, beginning in verse 1. 
Living Bible again. For we must never forget, dear brothers, what happened to our people in the wilderness long ago. God guided them by sending a cloud that moved along ahead of them, and he brought them all safely through the waters of the Red Sea. This might be called their baptism, baptized both in sea and cloud, as followers of Moses, their commitment to him as their leader. And by a miracle, God sent them food to eat and water to drink there in the desert. They drank the water that Christ gave them. He was there with them as a mighty rock of spiritual refreshment. Yet, after all this, most of them did not obey God, and he destroyed them in the wilderness. From this lesson, we are warned that we must not desire evil things as they did, nor worship idols as they did. The scripture tells us the people sat down to eat and drink, and then got up to dance in worship of a golden calf. Another lesson for us is what happened when some of them sinned with other men's wives. Uh-oh. And 23,000 fell dead in one day. That's a lot of fornication going on. Adultery, I should say. And don't try the Lord's patience. They did and died from snake bites. And don't murmur against God in his dealings with you as some of them did. For that is why God sent his angel to destroy them. All these things happen to them as examples, as object lessons to you and I, to us. To warn us against doing the same things. They were written down so that we could read about them. And learn from them in these last days as the world nears its end. So be careful if you are thinking, oh, I would never behave like that. Let this be a warning to you, for you too may fall into sin. Here's the mistakes they made as we get ready to close. Second time. They craved evil things. They ran after what they wanted first, desiring what looks and feels good over God's vision for their lives. That could be a lot of things. They were idolaters, placing anything before God in place in their lives. Talking the talk, but not walking the walk. They're immoral, sexually promiscuous. They tested God, speaking opposite of what God had said to do, and doing opposite of what God had said to do. They grumbled, coming against following the leadership and God-given vision, and causing, causing others to do the same through their actions and words, and then blaming the leadership. Ooh, ooh. Instead, Hebrews 13 tells us to remain faithful as A.J. comes. Hebrews 10 tells us not to waver in our faith. Romans chapter 4 tells us to believe God and call the dead to life, call the things that are not as though they are. Mark 11 call, tells us to listen. Our attitude is a qualification for creativity. Did you hear what I said? Our attitude is a qualification for creativity. Creative minds don't dwell on the negative. They dwell on the positive. Viewpoint is another characteristic of creativity. When Jesus was with his disciples, they passed by a fig tree. And he saw a fig tree that was not bearing fruit, and he commanded it to die. Are you with me? And then they were returning, and they walked by the fig tree. And the disciples wondered, whoa, that's awesome. The tree's dead. 
But what did Jesus do? He quickly diverts her attention to the mountain. Don't dwell on that. That's the past. Focus on the mountain. If you got faith, you can move that thing. You can move that thing. See, sometimes we focus on the past. See, he wanted to change their, their, their viewpoint. Don't focus on this. That's dead stuff. But focus on the mountain. That's where I'm going to take you. I'm going to take you to high things. We're going to do great things. So have faith in God. Focus on the vision. Don't focus on the past. Focus on the future that God has for your life. Forget the past. It's over. You can't change it. But you can change the future by your focus. Have faith in God. Calling those things that don't exist as though they do. Believing what we are saying in the middle of God's promise will happen. We're 50 years in, man. It's going to happen. We're not died off. We're, not, we're, we're getting stronger and stronger. Most ministries die around 40 years old. We're 50 and strong. Because we're not just a ministry. We're a movement. We're God's movement. And that's you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am Victory Outreach. You're this movement. God wants to use you. How we see what we see. How we speak what we see. And how we see ourselves and what we see. Do you see what I see? I see greatness. When I look out here, we're going to worship right now. And I want to challenge you. See what I see. See what God sees. When I look at you, I don't see you. I see you doing great things for God. I don't see the past. God don't look at the past. Jesus said, forget that, forget that, forget that. Look at the mountain. God wants to bring you to higher places. He wants to bring you to great things. Sure, we're going to walk through the valley sometimes, but we're still headed to the mountain. We don't stay in the valley. That's what God is saying in your life. Believe. Have faith. Honor God by your belief, by your trust. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Heavenly Father.